Welcome to The Undercover Elephant, a podcast about scaling and optimizing your PHP applications produced by Tideways. Each week, Benjamin Eberlei and Matthew Setter sit down with an expert from the PHP community to discuss a specific aspect of highly performant PHP applications. Whether you're a lone developer or part of a larger team, if you want to develop fast and reliable PHP applications, then this, my friend, is the podcast for you. Alrighty, righty, righty. Let's get started. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Samuel Rose about background processes and workers in PHP. As always, you can find an article about the topic at tideways.com forward slash podcast forward slash nine and in the show notes. Hey, Samuel, where are you calling from today? Hey, Benjamin. Uh, I'm from London at the moment. Yeah, so uh, we invited you to this podcast because you are working on the Symphony Core team on the Messenger component and are the person responsible for this. So it was our guess that um, you are knowledgeable about the topic today. So um, you're also working for uh, Birdie Care. Um, and yeah, what we want to talk uh, about with you today is background processes in PHP. Yeah, what you can do with them, what, why you would use them and everything uh, around this topic. That sounds great. Cool. So if we kick off, can we sort of kick off right at the beginning? So if you could explain, like maybe in a nutshell, even if that's a particularly big nutshell, what background processes and workers are? It is a big nutshell indeed. I guess the main idea is, is starting to put some logic outside of the normal cycle of, of process of application. So usually what we, what we start doing is to um, handle HTTP requests from a PHP perspective. And then during this, the, the, the sort of execution process of this HTTP request, we might do stuff. We will actually store some stuff into, into a database. We will actually send emails. We will actually call third party APIs and so forth. And then at some point, for multiple reasons, and we can actually explore why, it might not be ideal to do, um, for example, sending this email straight away or actually to write this data into uh, this third party API straight away. So the idea is to say, well, instead of doing everything right now, can we actually postpone some part of the job to be done later? That later is kind of like, a, it could be a few milliseconds, it could be a few minutes, it could even be hours. But we push, the main concept is that we push a message or we push a, a comment, we push something into a, what we, we usually refer as a queue that will then be sort of like pulled by a worker and this worker will ex execute this task. In our example, this worker will actually call the third party API or, or send the email. That is kind of the broad um, idea uh, of these, these background processes and workers. Okay, so can I just just uh, add living from there. So I guess if you were sort of this was maybe say your your first experience of say hearing about background processes and workers, and you'd always worked maybe in, in that sort of stereotypical PHP way of like sort of standard web requests, and you had that sort of mindset about how you approach developing your your applications, would there be things that you'd have to sort of keep in mind to help you? Um, as you started to develop background processes and workers for the first time? You know, is it like a different mindset you would have to take on or little things you could help to help you uh, understand how to approach them best? 
Yeah, there's plenty of things. So actually, as, as soon as we start doing this uh, or using these, these background processes, we enter this beautiful world of distributed systems, which comes with plenty of new problems, solving these existing, uh, existing problems we might have. I guess the short version of that is that the first step I would just do is trying to, to split my, my sort of like processes or whatever the workers is going to be, split it into something that is able to fail um, in a safe manner and is, is extremely small. The main, the, main, um, the main problem that usually happens when this kind of uh, background processes are, are actually handled, so when the worker takes the job, is that they will, they will likely fail. And it is possible that they fail in a way that actually the, the, the worker gets the same message multiple times. And I think that's the key thing for us to understand that piece is that because it's asynchronous processing, we will potentially reprocess the same message multiple times and we need to account for that. Uh, that's, that's the notion that's called like idempotence. And I think that is, the, that is the key thing I would look at making or doing right from the, from the very beginning, I guess. Mm-hmm. So on that point of when something fails, and as you said, you sort of assume that it, it probably will or could, um, as a normal manner, of course, how do you approach or what kind of mechanisms do you put in place to handle those failures? You know, maybe having two parts to the question, maybe from like a monitoring perspective. So you, know, you or the application is aware that it's failed. And the second part, so that you, know, you or, or the application can then respond to that failure and work with it or maybe say spawn another process, et cetera, to get that task handled. Yeah, so there is so in that question there is indeed so many different um, so many different answers to that. So I would I would start with the with the fact that the worker itself might fail. So indeed, if we take the example of, of Symphony Messenger, for example, um, running a worker is actually running a, a PHP command line tool. So it will and that thing will actually just ask you a queue and then we can actually discuss what, what are the queues and so forth, but we'll just ask your queue, uh, give me a message and then it will do some stuff. Now, this PHP process can actually dramatically fail. So what you need for the worker to be, um, to, to, for the worker to run, you need it to be supervised. So it could be this, this, this idea of like angel, um, angel process that I actually just learned the term like very, very recently. But the simple idea is to say there is a, something like supervisor D or system D that is responsible of running your worker, and when the worker, so the PHP process, is not running anymore, its own sole job is to run it again. So that's kind of the, 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 the approach if you're using Kubernetes or the like. It is just a, a container that has a restart policy being always. So if it dies, then it will just um, just restart. So that's the sort of like hardcore version of, uh, of, of managing failures. Now, you will have sort of what you should cons- consider as like expected failures, especially when you're talking with third parties. These, I don't know, if you're using SendGrid, for example, they will be down at some point. Or if you're sending emails, your SMTP server or whatever relay you may use will be down. And the key is to how can you actually explicitly handle these problems so that you don't you don't keep retrying, retrying every single millisecond or every single second that message. So, and I think you had a podcast very interesting around around retries and so forth, which I think Neil was was speaking about. And um, yeah, and uh, with Bastian, we also had um, a talk about retries. Yeah, we did yes, that before. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and that's where that's where actually 
asynchronous asynchronous processing, which is the idea of like having a worker processing tasks later, is extremely valuable because what it means is that you can also catch the fact that this third-party API is down, and then you can push back your message into into the queue and say, well, I cannot process it later. However, I'm happy to process it again in a minute, and then in two minutes, and then in four minutes, and so forth and so forth. And then you can do this this notion of exponential backup that you've covered already in, in other podcasts, but that where uh, by, by where you don't keep failing and keep repeating a failure on, on your side. So that would be, in my perspective, the two different ways of, of managing managing the most known errors. Now, in terms of the monitoring part that you've asked, I guess the key thing is just knowing, in terms of you, being able to know that your worker um, has restarted. So it might be logs of your supervisor D, but it can also be uh, the logs of your Kubernetes clusters container restart. So that's one thing. And on top of that, now, it actually depends which um, which which queue uh, or which message bus system you're going to use. But if you use something like RabbitMQ, which is kind of like the most used one, you would want to also explicitly monitor and track the number of messages in each queue for you to have alerts. Because a a symptom of not being able to properly process your messages is that the the amount of messages in the queues is getting, um, is getting, uh, is growing is massively great. So you've got a number of messages, but you also have another interesting aspect to measure is the is the age of the oldest message. Because you might have just message, you might have just always 10 messages in the queue for some system is extremely fine. For But for some, if the message, if you've got 10 of them, but they are actually more than an hour old, then that's a sign of an error. I hope that kind of answered your, your question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that did pretty well, I must say. Yeah, more, more than um, I was expecting. Yeah, I, I want to take a little bit the perspective of, of somebody who hasn't used um, background jobs before and go back a few steps and um, ask the question, how do you actually run PHP workers? What, what is a PHP worker? And how would the layout of a, a PHP worker script look like? Yeah, sure. So um, the... the The, the basic idea, and, and just to go back to the basics indeed, is just that you send a piece of a string. So you may send an email and then pipe uh, 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 the content of, of the email that you want to send into a, a queue. So let's imagine a RabbitMQ again. And then you actually send it to, uh, let's keeping the details, you just send it to a queue. And then you have a, you have a list of these strings, which is email, pipe, the message. Now, the PHP worker is just, it is a, a, a piece of PHP script. The, the very simple one would be just a normal uh, worker.php that starts with the upper question mark PHP and so forth. And this thing will actually ask every single, it would basically be a, an infinite loop that ask for RabbitMQ, give me a new message from the queue. Or do you have anything for me uh, to, to consume? If it doesn't have, then it will just wait. Wait for RabbitMQ to give it a message. If it, When it has one, it will just process it. So basically get this string and then you do whatever you want with it. In that example, it could be sending an email. Um, and then the loop will continue and continue. I was just going to sort of sacrifice slightly, honey, because you sort of mentioned RabbitMQ. And you were talking, I think, right at the start about sort of queues and so forth. From, I was just wondering from experience, do you, is, is RabbitMQ like a, a preference? Is it something you use a lot? Or are there other options that you find equally good? Like maybe Beanstalk or something so, like that? 
It's, it's a very good question. Um, now, RabbitMQ is is uh, is is one of the options. I guess there's also things like SQS. There's also like this all these managed um, zero MQ type of queues. But all of them are pretty similar, um, even for the Google PubSub and so forth. So that's one type of queue, I would say. And then there's another type, which is the type of the Kafka's and the like, where where I think there is a real uh, there's a real difference, and you need to use them for real, completely different purposes. Namely, for the first one, so RabbitMQ, MQP-like, and so forth, it is just, um, or it is more suitable for a, a list of jobs to be done. When the order of the job, or the notion of ordering, is not extremely important. Now, that is the case for most of the stuff. So all the examples we used so far, sending emails, third-party APIs, and so forth. The ordering at which you actually call this API, these things, or do these things, is not is not a big deal. What I mean is strict ordering. It's not a matter of like uh, which the rough ordering in terms of like time, but it's just the the matter of that like, this specific message on a one million message per minute. This specific message A needs to be before message B. That is not a, con a concern for most of these existing technologies. But things like Kafka, for example, which is one that we're using at Birdie at the moment uh, quite a lot, is has different properties because it actually allows you to guarantee the order when you consume messages. So what it means is that you can actually use start to use these kind of technologies for things like event sourcing, where the actual the order of the events is key in order to to guarantee or to to keep the same meaning in your in your system. So the short version of that is, is if you actually want to use a message bus for a sort of like distributing a system across multiple services or microservices, and you're using things like event sourcing or, or stuff like that, I would go for a Kafka type um, of bus. But if it is for uh, things to be done later that don't really matter in terms of like just jobs to be done, um, I would go for something like RabbitMQ. If you're using AWS or Google Cloud or managed services, I would go for that instead, so the SQS and Google PubSumps. At least you don't have to maintain the RabbitMQ cluster and so forth. Benjamin, do you have anything to, to follow up with there? Not on the, um, on the specific um, queue implementations, but you, um, you mentioned that the worker script is running continuously and processing many tasks and then waiting when there's no task. So um, can you maybe touch on the different challenges for PHP background processes uh, that are running indefinitely or for a very long time? Yes, so um, definitely. So that's, that's, by the way, one of the reasons you should use things like Symfony Messenger and not the example I gave you before of like just you uh, doing a while loop and asking for, um, for a message to, uh, to your message bus. For the simple reason that there's plenty of things that can go wrong, even with the idea of processing plenty of messages in the loop. So typically, PHP, historically at least, has not been built to run sort of like long-running processes um, compared to other programming languages. Uh, we are getting much better, but however, there is these two, still these problems of uh, memory leaks for, for certain amount of like workloads uh, when we process plenty of messages at a time um, or like one by one in the same sort of like a PHP process. So memory leak is one, but also uh, things along the lines of if something is sort of like not doing anything, if a worker is not doing anything for a while, then maybe connections to other services, um, I'm talking about the database, for example, might need to be awake 
uh, or it may, may need to be sort of like um, pinged regularly in order to maintain the connection and things like that. The infamous MySQL has gone away uh, around us. That's this beautiful one indeed that uh, we hope that nobody else will see this one anymore. But yes, that's the one where it seems pretty obvious that just, you know, just doing a while loop is just super simple. We get stuff. But when, when indeed you start to do, to talk to a database in your worker, if your worker doesn't receive messages for, I think the default is half an hour then the, 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 the MySQL server will actually say, well, I didn't receive any single thing from this client for half an hour. I'm just going to close the connection, which sort of makes sense. However, you want your worker to actually explicitly say, well, actually, I'm still alive, so it's okay. Keep the connection with me. I need it at some point. So that's where, and then we can actually go more into the, the details if you want of like the, the Symfony Messenger kind of approach, but that's where... We have this option where, or this mechanism of tick within Symfony Messenger. So your your worker, even if it doesn't receive a message from your message bus, uh, that being again, whatever the message bus you you might have, if it, even if it doesn't receive a message, all the things around and there is a notion of middleware uh, within the, the Symfony Messenger component, where he would sort of like he would he would do a tick. So he would just receive a, a sort of an empty message that would not call your handler, uh, which is in the Symfony Messenger world, um, just a PHP class that handles a, a, a message. But it would actually call a bunch of stuff like middlewares, and some of them, some of these things, or things that actually ping or use the doctrine, the doctrine um, connection to actually just send a ping to the connection, so at least we know there is no MySQL's gone away messages anymore. But there are also plenty of things around, around the, the, the sort of memory management, so it is expected that some kind of processes or some 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 yeah some of your scripts or applications will do memory leaks when the same service or the same class is actually called a thousand times in a row with different messages and that's fine. So you expect at least from sort of like production ready um, worker type that you can actually ask from them to consume only either a certain amount of messages or to actually stop by themselves after a certain amount of memory is actually being used uh, or stop themselves after a certain amount of time for which they've been sort of like working through messages. Uh, these three examples are stuff that we can do in, in Messenger. And then when the worker dies, what you expect is this like angel processor or like this, this actually the supervisor to just restart them um, as if it was a critical error or not, but then the, the worker starts from fresh again, and then you can you can process these these messages again. Getting into you mentioned uh, like that good point about the PHP was never originally designed for like long running processes, though it is getting better. Do you I guess out maybe outside of sort of maybe Symphony Messenger specifically, how do you keep or take that into account, or how do you sort of handle that potential problem? Well, the main problem is, um, is, the main thing is garbage collection. So um, you need to, so every single time, so that's the thing. So if you write your worker yourself in a way, you would need to, um, after each message, you would need to clear out all the things you don't need anymore. So, and again, that really depends on the way you are actually structured the application. But if you're using, for example, plenty of single singletons uh, across your application, um, these are things that would remain in the memory of the process after you've consumed message A. 
But very, very, very likely, you clearly don't need them in order to process message P. So you just need to, and then that's where if you don't use sort of like frameworks on the Linux, you very likely need to do that by yourself and have this explicit sort of like yeah, process of reclaiming resources. I, yeah, I don't see any better way of doing that. Mm -hmm. So arguably, uh, the in in writing what background processes you would uh, perhaps have to know your application better. Because, as you said, to, to know what you can then get rid of, you would have to be more on top of what you're actually doing. That's correct. That's correct. But uh, to be honest, I would argue you actually need, uh, even if you're not doing asynchronous processes, you need to be on top of like what's the what's the actual uh, memory consumptions for for every single request, like what's what's going on and so forth. You will. It will. If you don't know that, it will indeed be much more dramatic when you're using a worker than when 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 the process is killed. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry, I realized before we maybe came across a bit uh, the wrong way there. <laughs> um, maybe just writing background processes, the 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 requirement to to know that is is maybe what amplified. Yes, I agree. Yeah, completely. And and indeed, and then to like to praise the, the work that you guys are doing on, on the Tideways perspective, that is where tools like Tideways and others can definitely help because you need to have a clue of like what's going on. Definitely. Cool. Nice plug there. <laughs> If we have a message queue, sort of what effect does this have on the application itself? Sort of like we are able to maybe use less memory or set the timeouts more aggressively because our site is now... Okay, so now that we have talked about background workers and implementation details, so what of sort of the... Once you have a background processes or jobs a rapid, a queue in your system, what are sort of the consequences that this has intended or unintended on your existing application? So it's an extremely broad question, but super good. There's at least two routes, right? There is, uh, the first thing is that indeed, given you have this infrastructure in place, and, and really that's the, that's the hardest bit, is just to put that in place for the first time. Once you have that, then you can start really, really trying to optimize as much as possible your application by delaying things. Turns out there's plenty, plenty of things we actually don't need to do right now. The examples we've, we've covered are just a few of them, but there's plenty more that we don't need to actually finish processing before returning a, a response to the user. And I think, especially in, 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 in industries like e-commerce and the like, response time is an extreme is an, is is extreme importance uh, because there's like plenty of studies for example Amazon I think they've 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 managed to 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 correlate the uh, I think it was like 100 milliseconds response time equals 20 or like 30 percent revenue increase from their platform I mean that was something massive um, so first of all you can with that infrastructure you can optimize much more for performance and 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 ultimately deliver much better user experience so that's one thing in terms of like the outcome for your products customer. And then the second one is much more interesting around scaling a more a team or an architecture than, than the actual um, uh, kind of client facing uh, um, product. Is that if you start having things in, 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 in such message buses, you can, on top of just having that as a, as a sort of backlog of, of jobs to be done, you can also use almost the same uh, infrastructure um, in terms of the, the message bus to then distribute notifications or informations across different services or, or, or some would call microservices, but different applications within your same product. 
So what it means is that now, if you have two teams, for example, at some point, or like more X number of teams, at some point you will be able, you will have to stop working everybody on the same monolith. So everybody has different deployment sort of uh, cycles and and they're independent and whatsoever. How do you communicate between these two services? So the, the way A is just sort of like service B exposes an API that service A uses, but the problem with that is availability because service B is unavailable, uh, is down, then actually service A using the API is down as well. Module various retries on the line, but so that's one way. The second way is to actually reuse that infrastructure of the of the asynchronous processes sort of like jobs and say, well, instead I would just ask the other service to do something. And that other service will do it at some point and then can send using the same infrastructure, send a message back to the other app. Say, yeah, I've done it, or I didn't, or, or something went wrong and so forth. But that is, um, is a, if, especially if you're in an environment where high availability is important, is extremely important, is key, then that is one of the best way that I've seen at um, design architect re re uh, resilient architectures. So that's that's one thing. So from service A to service B, and then it turns out that even most all of the message buses that I know really also support this idea of like a fan out. Uh, that's an MQP term, but you actually publish a message to a to that service bus, so it could be RabbitMQ, and then this message will actually be duplicated into multiple queues. What it means is that you can Actually, service A can send a message, which would be more like what we consider as an event rather than asking some other service to do something. But an example might be, hey, um, there is this new order. Uh, an order has been placed. And then that you actually send this event and then the, 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 the message bus find out into multiple other queues. And these other queues are actually other services. And it means you can have now another services that do something, for example, so, I don't know, like uh, managing or making sure the stock are up to date asynchronously when the, an order has been placed. And that allows you to scale a, an organization, but also um, an architecture, all of, all of the with all the principles of high availability in place. All right. So at this point, we're at the tail end of the episode. So, Sam, if there is something that you want to draw attention to, something that you want to plug, it doesn't have to be commercial, it could be sort of like a personal project, then it's over to you. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a few things. So first of all, I think, I think it, what you, you guys are doing on the podcast is super, super cool. Actually, like pushing more for like production grade practices and, and trying to explore these within that community is like fantastic. So thank you very much for that. Um, thank you. The, the second thing is that um, I'm doing a few talks around, um, around that topic of more stream processing. I think the name of the talks were stream processing instead of batch and, a and or APIs over the, the, the coming year. So if you're more interested in trying to see why, why using such buses could be very valuable for you as an, uh, an architecture perspective, then you can have a look. And uh, and yeah, that's it. And then one one project, open source project I'd like to mention very much is, um, is called Solid. It is a, an initiative from Tim Berner-Lee, uh, which is trying to see how we as tech people uh, can actually use our skills and so forth to try to decouple this idea of data and application and build a a future of of, of data and um, and a future of data in the web in a much more like free way than the data silos that we have right now. So have a look. It's super interesting. 
they need plenty of like brave engineers to help on that perspective. Uh, so it's solid as the name of the project. Okay, I will have a hunt for that and I will include that in the show notes. Yeah, so do you want to also say a sentence about your employers since I believe they, they have a really great mission. It's really cool that uh, you're working on this kind of project. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's called Birdie, uh, Birdie Care, uh, and the mission is actually trying to um, use technology in order to help elderly to, to stay healthier and longer in their own houses instead of actually going to care homes. So I think the, the, just have a look to the website birdie.care. Obviously, as uh, most of the products, uh, uh, we are hiring in London, um, in France and Spain soon as well. And then I think yeah, the short version is that we can actually use the tech and these background workers and all of that uh, for the good. So, so let's do that. <laughs> That's really sweet, honestly. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure to sit and, and listen and, and learn. Thank you very much, guys. And thanks for tuning in. The Undercover Elephant is produced by Tideways, a PHP monitoring, profiling, and exception tracking software company. If you want to know more about anything that you heard during the episode, about a wonderful guest, or about Benjamin and myself, check out the show notes in your favorite podcast player. Alternatively, go to undercover-elephant.com. That's undercover-elephant.com. You'll find a link to each episode, which contains show notes for that episode. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you know someone who is very knowledgeable in writing highly performant and scalable PHP applications, then email us at podcast at tideways.com. That's podcast at tideways.com. <laughs>